Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. do the cordial thing. Sean, how are you doing this morning? Doing well, doing well. I thought it was going to rain a little bit this morning. Maybe it will later today. I was looking forward to one of those me and Anna Ruth rainy days, but it could be. We'll, we'll just wait and see. If not, it'll be good as well, but no. Another good question, another good topic. Yeah. Um, this one here, just asking a question to someone last night and what do you, you what do you uh what should the podcast be for today and this was what came up um and it came up because of what's been seen uh out in the world and it's it, it's a good question and there's there's not just a blanket answered if, if you look in the description it also asked about if pastors should be paid or preachers or the teachers and we have to look at it from a scriptural God's point of view and we have to trust God to let us know what's appropriate, what's not. And just looking at this subject, you look out in the world and you see uh, all kinds of different religious paraphernalia. It doesn't have to be Christian. Um, And these items are sold. Not all of them. You know, somebody may be sitting at home and think, well, you know, I want to put this on my, I want to put this on a shirt. And, you know, so people will read it and they'll get the message. What's interesting about that is, first off, that the gospel message and faith in God is intended to be a personal relationship. It's not intended to be a subliminal message that you put on a shirt in order for somebody to see it and then I uh, oh I, I like your shirt and let's talk about it rather than why not have godly conversations with people and somebody listening in might have a question and it's coming from your own mouth and sometimes it's done and people don't realize this it's done because they're well, I'm too shy, and well, I don't, um, I don't feel comfortable just telling people. And it's, it's the word of God. It's not yours anyway. And this is part of the faith journey: is that we find a comfort in the things 
that from a human perspective are not comfortable. And it is that call on the name of the Lord, which is not calling like God. It's dependency to depend on the name of the Lord. You're depending on God, that it's God's truth. And now we don't go out just getting in everybody's face and screaming the gospel message and because that's not appropriate either. If at some point God wants a message given to people, then it will be delivered and then it'll be left alone. There won't be arguments standing on a street or standing outside. And the reality is, look at it in the world. People don't read and they don't listen. They only read if they're interested in something. If something piques their interest, then they'll read and they'll listen. Aside from that, you're just wasting your time because you go into businesses and they have a a set of rules that's set right there on the counter. And inevitably, almost everybody has to ask something that pertains to those rules that are sitting on the counter because they didn't read it. You know, in a hotel, they, it it says uh, what time breakfast is and, you know, what time the different things are and what time checkout is. And inevitably, most of the people will call down to the front desk or come back by the front desk and say, what time is breakfast and uh, what time is checkout? because they don't read. Now, I get it. Sometimes you read something and you don't retain it. And, hey, I I, I looked at it, but I, I couldn't remember what, what it said. But in general, people don't read. There are signs pasted everywhere, and people don't read. That's a, That's an issue if you're trying to just wear a shirt that has a a quote-unquote godly message on it and hope that people are going to or wish that people are going to see it and act on it. And I would dare say that most people wouldn't even want you to say something to them about it. Rather, just just read it and go, uh, you know, just hopefully it'll make a difference with you. And it's not, I mean, it's not shirts, it's everything. I mean, we can go from shirts to uh, crosses to um, all kinds of jewelry. We can go to the uh, Bible itself. Uh, When we talk about things that are done for profit, I'm not going to say that any of that is actually uh, absolutely wrong. Don't do it. But in the Word of God, Paul talks about peddling the Word of God for profit. So that means that you're using the Word of God to boost your sales. You're hoping that that will uh, boost your sales. And when I had my construction company, I didn't realize it, but I did the same thing by trying to use a name that used the name of God in it, Alpha Omega Construction. And so the, and looking back, 
the subliminal part in my subconscious was, well, people will see this and, and people who uh, are after God will uh, call and want to, you know, want to have me do the work for them. And that's not the right mindset. The word of God, there, there's one who should be getting all the profit, and that is the designer of it. No human designed the word of God that they should use it for profit. Now, I would say if you want to do it, and you want to do it, just offer uh, whatever it is you have at cost. Well, we might consider that. The fact is that when you are selling things with the pretense of God on it, and you are getting a profit from it, you are peddling the word of God for profit. And it's interesting because even churches will do this with CDs, booklets, things that they want to, uh, they, they, they want you to listen to it or read it, but there's got to be some sort of tithe that comes from it. Or they're, they're not just giving it away to everybody free because they want them to know the gospel message now. I don't know the uh, exact reasoning behind the aspect with the Gideons, but they give Bibles away. They don't sell them. Now, I'm not going to go into because their profit may be that, look at us, we're giving the Bible away. Uh, so I, I, I haven't really dug into that aspect of it that far to be able to make a comment on that. Um, but if you're going to do it, don't do it to receive anything for yourself rather than do it so that God receives glory for it. That, that's the reality. It's, and if, if you're in a position, say, a preacher or a teacher, where you work a regular job and then uh, that's not enough to cover your uh, your needs, then certainly, as Paul says, don't muzzle an ox as they're treading out the grain. But don't go to extravagance where you're taking the money coming into the church and instead of using it for the poor, the widow and the orphan, you're living in mansions and you are uh, riding around in fancy cars, fancy jewelry, while people in the world are suffering and you're living extravagant because you preach the word of God. And why should it be, if, if we're thinking that teaching the word of God, somebody should get paid for that? Okay, well, why would it be that in churches, you're, you're, you've got your pastor gets paid, typically your, 
uh, the one who does the music gets paid. You have an office person that gets paid. Uh, those are pretty much the paid positions in a church. What about all the, the people who, who are teaching in the Sunday schools and doing the vacation Bible schools and doing all that? They get nothing. How is that fair that one gets a, a set amount of money, but the other that's doing a similar thing is not getting the money? And the objective in this is just to bring about the realities of what is peddling the word of God for profit. And there's a danger in it because it's not yours. It would be like you seeing somebody else has an idea and that person has it in a, in a uh, the patent pending stage and you decide you're going to take it and you're going to make it yours. Well, that's not legal because of the way the patent uh, system set up that until it becomes a patent, nobody can duplicate it. Nobody can uh, mimic what you have. So it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. You don't own it, but you're stealing it so that you can gain profit for it. And again, the question would be that if you're selling something and you're getting a profit for it, is that appropriate before God? Now, if God tells you to to do something, do it. But what good are all these implements and all these um, the the little uh, what do they call them flyers that that people will lay out in hotels in hopes that somebody will pick it up and they'll see the gospel message, which isn't even a gospel message at all. Uh, it's just a, a pretense to give you a feeling that you have something, but you really don't, and those are from the enemy. And the biggest thing is the gospel message is intended to be a personal relationship. That's why we talk about what we do here on the podcast. That this, we're inten- we're intention, uh, Our intention is to present the truth of God, to present aspects of the gospel, but it's not to be somebody's church because it's not personal. It's, uh, we, uh, for a little while, we had somebody that moved away that was calling in on Wednesdays and Sundays. And that has been, uh, yeah, the spirit had put that, uh, to rest now that it's not appropriate because if you move away, you should move away with the intention that you're going to carry on the church wherever you go to, not that you're going to call in because with you calling in, you lose that personal aspect and it has to be personal because that's when you can read somebody. You, you can read somebody's body language there, the way they speak uh, verbally. You can't always tell, but when they're in person, you have body language that you can tell that somebody may be trying to be happy or act a certain way, and you can see clearly that they're not doing it. And so from an aspect of remote church is something that we've removed. Now, we do have set in place that if somebody uh, goes away for a trip, 
for uh, a week or, you know, just a, a short vacation that they can call in just to keep in that contact. But that's only for a limited short period of time. It's not an extended period of time. And we've done that. Uh, we had the extended thing twice with uh, different people. And the reality is, is that you have to evaluate if you want to be a part of the church, then you either remain where you are or you make it clear with God that this, this is what they want you to do is to move. And then if you move, then God has the intention that you're going to start a gathering there. Not that you're going to just stay locked into one place and try to do it over the phone. Uh, it's not, it's not personal. And it's not the way that Messiah ran the church. And if you look at it, that's how Messiah ran the church. Uh, Same thing with Paul. Paul wasn't doing remote church. What he was doing, he took the church and he went, he went to other places and presented it so he could be in person. And he sent letters as a similarity to the podcast to present the truth but those places had churches that were the intention was this letter goes to the church and then the church reads it to the people and then the church adheres to making sure the people are doing it. Not Paul. As an apostle, that was his uh, objective was travel around. Uh, when you get there in a personal relationship talk to the the people and see what's going on. And then if there's rebuke that needs to happen, then you rebuke because the best way to uh, have rebuke or discipline is face to face because you can know that the seriousness that God has given me on this issue by the way it's delivered, but you can't get that over through a letter you know, and Paul talks sometimes about uh, that I write this in my own hand, but I hope to come to you soon. Well, why? Because he knows it's about a personal relationship. That that's the, the reality is you have the church where you are. And then Paul was sending messages of the truth because of, you know, whatever was going on, Corinth and some of the issues that they were having there with the women and uh, and other things as well. And then uh, just the different letters that he sent, he's sending the letter to Rome, he's setting up the gospel uh, message, laying it out to the church at Rome. But he was not, it was the, the leaders of the church at Rome uh, from the Jewish perspective that were intended to carry out the truth that he gave. And so this is just a, a huge aspect of how many things that are out there that are in the pretense that they're for God, but yet no, no speaking about the true gospel message, no uh, getting away from sin and showing people by example that You've been cleansed of all unrighteousness, and you're getting a profit for what you're making. And so uh, I'll turn it over to you for uh, what you might have on your mind at this, at this point. Sure. 
in the scripture that Paul mentions here, I had looked at it briefly this morning and just where was this? Cause I know it's in the word of God. I was just looking it up. And actually, before I get to that, the word, even Messiah said this, that if I give you things of the world and you don't understand how you're going to understand spiritual. So I'm going to start with putting this to the worldly so that we can transition to the godly. So it'll uh, make sense. Not that it's not making sense, but it'll make more sense. The word prophet is when you, you're looking to get gain above and beyond the cost of what your product is. Like we're something me and my family will do on Fridays. We'll get pizza from this restaurant. And when I was thinking about profit, it came to mind that these businesses would not be in business if there's no profit, there's no reason to make the product break even because they could just do that for themselves and family. What reason is there to even have a business and even do all this work if there's no profit? Now they may, they've been in business for quite a few years. They may say, okay, well, we want to, for example, give back to the community through donations, but really are those donations going to have an effect where there's a tax deduction? Is there still some profit somewhere, even with the, and not in all occasions, but some people may put the pretense of this is for the community or for this person in the hospital, but is there still a profit tied to it somewhere that is hidden? So that was the first thing was when you're looking for profit, you're looking to get an excess from what it's going to cost you to even have the product or service. With the word of God, there's already benefit in it without you even having to look for excess. If you follow the gospel message, you will benefit from it because you will have a changed life. You'll get to know God, have a personal relationship. So from our perspective, we shouldn't be looking for, well, well, I want more than what the gospel gives me because there's got to be more than what it all entails. Well, we want to get more, but we shouldn't be, as the word says, we shouldn't be wanting. We shouldn't be looking for, well, this isn't enough, God. You need to give me more. Well, as the word says as well, that a worker is worth his wages. Like you said, the don't muzzle an ox, that you're getting a benefit from doing it anyway. Why are you looking for this isn't enough? Where... Yes, a business will be in business to make money, but how much is enough profit? Are you going to cheat people by looking to get more profit than what is fair and reasonable? And that's the thing. To really know the fair and just way would be to ask, yeah, yeah, what do you want us to do with this? Do you want us to have a fee for people to pay? Do you want us to? Because it's really, what does y'all want us to do in this? To where I agree with you, we're not going to blanket say, if you're doing something for God that you don't ever ask for money or do anything, but we should not have a mindset that, uh, oh yeah, we're going to get a benefit from this. If we're going to do this, we're going to get some kind of benefit. With this podcast that we're doing, we're not advertising on our own. We're not looking to get sponsors to support the podcast so that we can get looks or different things like that. We're not on Facebook looking to get a boost to get people to see what we're doing. Because we have the absolute perfect marketing department. Yah, Mother, the Spirit, there's no better person to market this from a truth perspective to get it out there to where Yah knows the people that are out there that, are, that have turned to them, turning to them, 
seek him with all their heart. So they know who to lead and bring to say, hey, look at this or hey, look at that. Why don't you look at this podcast? She knows what she's doing. Now she will lead us to, if she wants us to do something, we will do it. But we don't need to go to attempt to make money because we have access to all the glorious riches which are in Messiah. What what do we lack? What, what do we need to, to get a profit from to what? Get more money in the world to where we can buy a bigger house, more cars? Well, that's going to perish anyway. What is that a benefit? That's not a, a true benefit. It's just temporary. So what we have is greater than any kind of profit we could even look to make. And the thing is, if we were even had any intention to do that, then y'all wouldn't have a, would not have us do this. We may start this on our own, but it wouldn't be of God. But my focus and Phil on New Year's is too, that it's to do what y'all wants. And this is, this is for the benefit of the kingdom of God, not for us, because all we do is speak the truth, speak what we know the best we can through the help of Yah and we leave it alone. And how many times have you heard this? Well, we are a nonprofit organization. Well, if you dig a little bit deeper there, is it truly nonprofit? Is it a pretense of, well, we're not in it for profit. We're, we're a nonprofit. So I just want to make it clear, for example, that we're not in it for profit. So don't come after us. And, but somebody gets a benefit somewhere. And even like, for example, a church may say they're a nonprofit or a shelter or whatever. I don't, I'm not going to speak specifically. I don't know a lot about that. But I was just thinking when I hear the term nonprofit, why are you making it a big deal to say nonprofit? If you were nonprofit, then you're nonprofit. But are you trying to put on, well, I just want you to know. So don't, don't look at me like I'm trying to. And then, but because I'm thinking about where we came from in the Christianity, that why are you attempting to get more people in? Are you truly wanting more people because you want them to know the truth? Or is it with the pretense of, well, if we don't have people come in, then we're not going to have tithing and offerings and we're not going to be able to pay our bills, pay our budget, pay our pastors, leadership. That's a lot of where it comes from is, and not that even that people see it because they may say, no, no, we're not doing it for that. We really want people to know, but you're going out of your way to get people in. And why are you doing that? Because you know that if you don't have people to give money, then you're not going to be able to pay your bills and do the things that will, will keep it running. People may look at us and say, well, you all must have a huge budget. No, we don't have any budget. We have money in uh, the church account that we have, but we use it for things that are for the church. That's what it's for. It's not for us to just go out and just give people randomly money and things or come in here and there. No, it's for the church. That's why in the book of Acts that people would give for the church so that everybody had what they needed. So everything was pulled together so that the church will benefit from this. If the, somebody in the church gathering needs money, then there's money that's there, but is it a really a need that they have? Or is it, well, I'd like to buy this or that, but no, this money is for somebody that really has a need that that's something for the church, not just for your own uh, personal gain. But really what was on my mind with this, as you started speaking was, is that, when Paul is talking about we don't peddle the word of God for profit, there's another part of that scripture where after he says, but in Messiah, 
with all sincerity. And on the contrary, that we speak in sincerity, meaning that we're not peddling this word with some kind of ulterior motive to gain anything. With all sincerity, we're giving the truth of God because it's the best thing for everyone involved. It's the best for people to hear this message. And we're not looking to get a personal gain. We get our gain from following the truth because I can see that he's saying that, well, some people are doing it with a pretense. They're not sincere because they really want to preach the gospel of God. They're doing it for some other motive. And we're not doing that to try to gain a worldly profit. We're being sincere that this is the truth of God. And here it is. I'm not looking to gain anything from the world. What I'm looking for is to please God and that they get glory. And, and that's the difference is that our, is what the person is doing, is it for the benefit of the kingdom of God? Or is it with the pretense that it's for the kingdom of God, but it's really for your own gain? So that's where we got to be careful. Is whatever we're doing, if we're doing t-shirts or like we have a Hidden Treasures Revealed shirt that we had printed, but we're not selling it for profit. We've given shirts away to, um, I know I gave Anna Ruth one, but I wanted to print one just so you could have one. It wasn't, well, I want you to wear this so that you can draw attention to the podcast. Well, if someone asked a question, hey, what's Hidden Treasures Revealed? Yeah, I'll tell you about it. We have a podcast, but we're not going to say, hey, give us money because we really want to continue this. Give us money because we want to continue printing shirts so that we can get people. We're not intending to influence people that way. We want to give the truth of God so that they will listen to and apply the word of God and let that be the influence to them. So that's the thoughts that I had so far is that our, it's about our sincerity of heart is we're doing this to do what Yah wants, not for us ourselves to use this to gain any kind of personal gain for ourselves on it. Right. And I mean, in reality, even with the shirts that we have, we have to know the reality of it is that people don't read and you may catch, it may catch the eye of somebody, but how many times has somebody ever stopped you and said, hidden treasures, what's that? Because again, your, your, your best advertisement is word of mouth. That's your best advertisement. And I having, you know, a shirt and, when you said we have shirts made, I mean, it was what three shirts, three or four of each, uh, a collared shirt and a regular shirt. It wasn't with the intention of, well, we're going to make these and we're going to sell them to people. And I, uh, you know, and of course, you know, well, we got to make money on it. And no, we don't need to make money on anything. And the beautiful part is that we're able to reach people in the world across the world i we've had people download from at least 32 different countries 47 different states and so and we haven't done any advertising of it yes we'll post a new show on social media uh just to get it out there um but we've done all of that and we foot the bill for that. Now, when I say that, God's footing the bill because they they provide all of our needs according to their glorious riches, and our needs are provided through the jobs that we have, and 
do whatever Yah brings us from that perspective, not actually from the church within itself. And if there was a need, like if if something happened and uh, you had a uh, an extra bill and you didn't have the money to pay it, and then the, you, certainly the church would uh, help with that just as long, just as well as anybody else who's a part of the gathering, that they would have access to that in a time of need because God's promises, I will provide all your needs according to my glorious riches. And then the, like you had brought up earlier, the intended aspect of any money tithed to the church anyway is for everybody, for those who are in need. And you can read that through scripture that it's for the people who needed, like the widows who were in the church, who didn't have a husband that was working and they didn't have as much. And so we're giving it to them rather than spending it on uh, an extravagant building and all the uh, amenities that have to go into that. And uh, I won't say all, but I would say most of your churches out of the tithe, the first thing that comes out of that is your mortgage for the church, your electric bill, your gas bill, your pastor's pay, your associate pastor's pay, your music, your music um, minister's pay. Uh, all that comes out first. And then we distribute what's left to who and what. Is it really the poor people in the congregation that benefit from that? Oh, sometimes. But in a general sense, how much good could that, could that money do if you didn't go to the extravagant building? Uh, the, the original church was formed in and uh, remained in houses. And then if there got to be too many people for that house, then somebody who was uh, taught the truth in that gathering who had circumcision of the heart would then move off and take, you know, some of the people to their house, not start a different uh, objective of teaching and change the name, but no, okay, we need more room, so we're going to move to another house and we're going to divide the people from that perspective, but we're going to keep the same message was always the intention. The, the intention of splitting the message of God so you have multiple different uh, faiths and denominations never was intended by God at all. Uh, and so, yes, if there's a need, then provide it. And then leave it to God. Trust God for them to provide all your needs according to their glorious riches. I mean, when... Uh, I had stopped my job because God had told me to. I mean, we had gotten to where we were getting ready for foreclosure on the house before God brought some things around for us to, uh, we filed for bankruptcy and we uh, handled it that way. And we made the payments on all that. We didn't, uh, we didn't have the church doing that, but God first wanted to see the faithfulness. Are you willing to, to do what I told you to do, even if it means you're going to lose your house? And when we proved that that was the case, then 
God turned around and changed our finances so that we are uh, we're in a much better place than we were before from a financial perspective. But that's not necessary. It, God chose that they were going to do that. They could have also chose that we lost the house. And if we did, my mindset was, all right, well, I'm going to figure it out. It's not going to change my mindset on God that, that they didn't uh, spare us this. And so, you know, we've been doing this church uh, in in homes, and we've we started here, and then we moved over to your house, and we're Josh and Anna Roos right now. And when Yah says uh, we're going to go a different place, then we'll, we'll move to a different house or move back here or whatever it is. But we don't need a building. And like you said, our budget is virtually zero because I have a job that sustains the house and the bills that we have here. You have a job that sustains the house and the bills that you have. And so we work on regular jobs. And then on Wednesdays and Sundays, we have the church and uh, we do that. And then doing the podcast on Tuesdays and Saturdays. And God provides what we need. As a matter of fact, we're not taking anything from the church, and God has provided us beyond what our need is. And that's where God says, I will provide all your needs according to my glorious riches. So if you, by uh, doing other things, if God wants you to be blessed in it, then they'll have somebody show you favor, and you'll be blessed. Uh, because that other person, they don't know what's coming from God and they, they don't understand, but God makes them favorably disposed to you. And therefore you, uh, you are able to have all your needs supplied, but there's no guarantee. I don't sit and say, well, if God doesn't supply anything for me, then I'm done. No, if nothing is supplied and I end up poor and hungry, it's not going to change my faith in God. I, I, I must be steadfast in my mindset that the condition that I face in the world will not affect what I believe and what I know about God. I will not let it affect it. And in that, we've been blessed. We've been doing the church for 14 years, and uh, we we haven't received any pay from the church, and there has been from tithing when we go away for Passover. Yah has uh, told us that we can use some of that money that we've brought in for uh, paying for the house at Passover, or we pay for the house. Everybody has to put their part in, and then uh, Yah will pay for the food. And so we just listen to Yah, listen to God, and let God tell us what to do with it. Uh, but it's not, it, it's all driven by God. And we do the podcast. We don't, uh, we don't monetize. We don't do, we're not seeking for people to send us money. Uh, we'd rather those people keep their money and, wait till they get to a point where they have circumcision of the heart and use that money to uh, carry on the church of God 
uh, for whatever you might need in the midst of doing that. Uh, do you have something? What's coming to mind now through just listening to what you're saying is, is what's the motive for all this? See, that's the thing. It, we're not making a blanket statement that you don't ever ask for money. You don't ever do any of that. Cause that's, I'm not going to speak that, but with Paul making the statement that we, that he made, why is he saying, if I remember right, it's in Corinthians, why is he saying this in his letter to the Corinthian church that we do not peddle the word of God for profit to tell them, don't be like somebody that's selling something like when I'm thinking like a peddler, like you go, let's say you're in, and I've never been there, but uh, New York city where you have a hot dog vendor or something that they're on the street selling hot dogs and things. You know, I'm, I'm looking to peddle, get some profit here from making food and stuff. And you go to them, like, don't be on the street corner throwing this out there to get people in and to, to benefit yourself that, and we know from experience there that even this came to mind with us that remember almost every podcast, we would say we have a, an email address and we have the Facebook page. And it came to mind that we didn't talk about not bringing that up. But as we're talking about this now, were we not even seeing it that we were trying to peddle the podcast, but Hey, we've got a website and we want questions and we want you to listen instead of, I can see y'all saying, just hold off to where I'm not going to bring that to your mind because you don't need to keep bringing that up. Cause if you notice, uh, unless you haven't told me, which I'm confident you would have that we haven't gotten emails yet to where, well, why haven't we gotten an email? Are we doing something we shouldn't be doing? And like, we're y'all saying you're still thinking that you have an influence on bringing people in, but you just speak the truth. You do what we want you to do. And we will take care of people. We can, we have the power to direct somebody to send an email and to how many people look at Facebook. Somebody's going to have a thought of hidden treasures revealed. I wonder if they have a Facebook page. That sounds familiar. And just leave this in our hands and quit uh, attempting to do it because I know this from my experience. If you think that you can do it on your own and, and you've got it, then y'all will say, okay, go ahead. We'll see how, how far you get with you doing it until you just give it over to me. And not that you do nothing, but trust me with this. We know what we're doing. So it was just making me think of the, what's the true motive? Are you really doing this because for a godly reason or are you doing it and you may not even know why you're doing it and you think it's for a godly reason, just more, especially for us to evaluate anything we would bring up to say, evaluate why you're doing it. Is this really a godly reason or is this something that's, you just think we should do it because, well, from my understanding, if we say this, then that'll get more people. But we have the one with us that's perfect, that knows what's going to be able to get people's attention. So if they say, speak about the website, not the website, but speak about the email address, speak about the Facebook page, then we do it, then that's the key thing. So really a lot of with this is don't lean on your own understanding and, and think that, oh, so are you saying that we don't print t-shirts or no, we're not saying to do anything other than for evaluate why you're doing it. Do we really, for example, you mentioned the Gideons do should Bibles be sold? If you really want somebody to give it, you print it. Well, I'm willing to take the, the brunt of this because I really want people to know the word of God. So I'm just going to give a Bible away, but there's, there's cost in printing the Bible. I mean, for me, I could see, again, this is a, and I'll preface it. This is my opinion. Yes. There's going to be cost to print Bibles. Would it be fair to maybe give some charge just to pay for materials? 
but again, I'm not printing Bibles, so it would be more, I would put it in the hands of Yah, even if we were going to do that. Yah, what do you want us to do with this? But a lot of this is just church is used, the church of God is used a lot as, as a business because you think about you have this big building and a mortgage and a payroll. Well, is it not run as a business with the pretense that it's the church of God? Because going back to Messiah, what did Messiah do? Did Messiah get paid? Did Messiah establish a building? Did Messiah have people working for him that were paid? No. So as you said before, you're not listening to the word of God. Why do you, are you just taking, are you hearing the word? Oh, and Acts, well, they did this and that. So that's what we got to do. But why are you doing this? Are you doing this because you think you should? Or are you doing this because Yah made it clear for you to do it? Because I'm on the outside looking in, I'm looking at a lot of these places that these huge buildings, you would have to run it like a business in order to survive because you've got probably multi-million dollar mortgages on some of these big buildings. How do you pay for it? Most people, well, my opinion on this is most people may not give a lot of money in consistency. So how do you get the money to pay the mortgage? Do you go and do fundraisers and things to get money to, and again, that's the churches in the world will deal with that. But I'm just thinking more from our perspective, we be careful on what we're doing and making sure whatever it is, it's what, what y'all wants, not what we think we should be doing. Yeah. Providing the reality and the truth of God free of cost. And again, who owns the rights to the Bible? And again, how about this? How about you have specific locations where if somebody wants to read what's in the Bible, and, and obviously at this point, this isn't a thing because there's so many Bibles that are still being printed and still being sold. Uh, but you have a place like they had the temple where they kept the scrolls and then the scrolls would be read. And then you leave from there. You don't have a Bible. They, they Paul didn't have a Bible. Paul didn't carry around the scrolls with him. No, he was he was learned on the scrolls. He was a Pharisee before coming to faith in Messiah. And so he was schooled in it, and he knew it, but he carried it around in his mind. He didn't carry it around in a book. And so you don't have to have a Bible with you all the time. If you have mother in your heart, because that is the word of God. Now, the Bible, yes, does it have things in it? Yes, but then we go back to all the different translations. Why translate it so many different ways? And you have the woman's Bible and the men's Bible and the hunting Bible and the uh, the, the children's Bible. And instead of just, no, we're just going to make the Bible and we're going to make it available to people for a reasonable price. And... That's what we're going to offer. But then we have to get extravagant with it, and we have to do the study Bible, and you, you, it just goes on and on. And then you have the NIV, the, uh, the KJV, the, N, the new King James Version, the, the uh, 
applied Bible and the amplified Bible. And you just go, it goes on and on and on. And it's all translated by man. Man is translating what the scrolls originally said, and they are putting in changes and altering what it says and then selling it to people as though it's the holy Bible. It's the the set apart book of God. And no, it's fallible. And you, you must have the spirit of God in your heart to guide you through the Bible to be able to point out to you where the discrepancies are, not in the letters that Paul wrote, but in the translations that people put to it because they put it to their circumstances and their situations or to their language when their language was spoken uh, differently from the other language. And that's kind of where the uh, aspect of the spirit got lost, where mother being female, between the translation of the Hebrew to the Greek and then to the uh, English, that the translation got mixed because in the Greek there's there's not a, a gender specification where in the Hebrew they have words that are masculine and feminine, and those were intended that way for the purpose of understanding the differences between men and women. And it's really important that we understand that the Bible is just a book. And it is no good to you without mother in your heart because that is the true word of God where you can read it. And then mother says, look at this. See this? This is this was, that was absolutely right. And from a general sense, there's a whole lot of it that is, that is translated appropriately. But there are things that aren't translated appropriately. And then you take the translation to the interpretation, because then you have people who interpret, well, it says in him there is no sin, but we interpret that. That means that, well, Jesus took away all your sin, and we still sin, but but we don't have sin because of him, but we still sin, and you're distorting the word of God. For what? Well, it does it make you feel like, well, I'm doing this, so... I can, I can get in the kingdom. Well, that's another aspect of peddling the word of God for profit uh, because you're using the getting into the kingdom as the profit for you speaking or doing what you're doing, and the reality is is that it's wrong. What's, what's needed is the spirit of God within your heart in order that Mother can translate for you when there's necessary for you to see from the truth perspective. And too many people worship and believe in the Bible, and they don't worship and believe in God, though that's that's their pretense is that. And I can carry that back to just, just take the Old Testament. Let's just take the Torah and those that just follow the Torah. It's the same thing. They're translating it to their own benefit, which is peddling the word of God for profit. That you you change it so that it fits your life instead of changing your life to fit it, then you're, you're peddling the word of God for profit. Well, that profit is for yourself. And 
not necessarily for other people because it's there to make you feel like you're comfortable and you have what you have. And so it's huge that, again, like you said, we're not saying don't make a shirt or don't do something for God, but one, make sure it's God that's telling you to do this, and two, do it because you want to do it and don't do it for profit. Produce them and give them out. This, this is, we want to do this because God said to do this, and I want to do everything God tells me to do, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this shirt. But I can tell you the odds are, like you brought up with the shirts, that was our idea. That we were like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll make some shirts. And again, thinking about it, you know, what did we stop and ask God what to do? It's the same thing. If you remember back when we first started and God gave us the persona of the church and we used it as a name, as a New Life Gospel Church, that that's not the name of the church that we have because uh, the church that we're running is the original church of Messiah, the way, uh, and we line it up with what the Bible says and we line it up with the church in the Bible, not in the church of today. But God had given us the persona of New Life Gospel Church, meaning that they were going to do us and the truth given to us through Mother, that we were going to bring new life to the gospel message, a renewed life that has been uh, uh, suppressed and pushed down, that this truth that we're sharing is intended to bring new life to the gospel message, to get rid of the old gospel message that people have been preaching about, except Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, that is no gospel at all, as Paul would say. And Paul, if he was here, he would say, that's no gospel at all. That you have to go through the steps of it. You have to, to seek and believe and believe in and repent and obey and trust that you, you have to go through those, all, all those things. And you don't accept Messiah's Lord and savior. You make Messiah your Lord. And if you make Messiah your Lord, that means you're going to live your life like he did. And if you live like he did, then you're going to live without sin because that's what he did. But you have to learn the journey in order to be able to get there, to be able to understand what you need to have the fullness of faith in God. And it's huge because it's not being taught. And that's why we're wanting to put this out. But going back to what I brought up with the, the sign, we, we even had a sign made and put out by the road. And this was when we were fresh out of Christianity and we hadn't, we hadn't, we had left the church we were at, but we hadn't quite departed from Christianity. And so it was like, well, we make the sign and we put it out by the road. And then after it was out there for about a month, then we got a complaint from a neighbor that, uh, well, this isn't zoned for a church and you can't, you know, cause I guess they didn't want people extra people driving down the driveway. Plus it did drive some people to drive up here asking for money, uh, as well. But so the city came and told us we had to take the sign down. And at first I know for me, I was 
I was miffed about that. I was like, this is crazy. This is, it's a sign just sitting by the way. But then uh, spending time with y'all realizing that they had told us that New Life Gospel Church is not a name of the church. The name of the church never changes. It's the Church of Messiah. It just happens to be the Church of Messiah at Stanton bringing new life to the gospel message. And since then, we haven't, we don't uh, advertise as New Life Gospel Church. We don't, um, we don't bring it about from that perspective that if we're asked, our answer should be, it's the Church of Messiah. What do you do? It's the Church of Messiah. Are you denom- what denomination are you? We're, we are no denomination. There was no ever any split intended by God of the Church of Messiah, the way, and that's what we're following. And we don't have a doctrine that's derived by you or I that says this is what we have to do or what we're going to do, and we don't have bylaws that we put together, we have a doctrine and bylaws and it's all in the word of God. It's in the Bible. We don't need a separate doctrine or bylaws that say, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. No, we need the word of God that says, this is what you do. And this is how you do it. And as long as we abide in that, God will provide everything we need in accordance with his glorious riches. And at some point, that need may end up with uh, us perishing from this life. But what does that matter? Because Yah has us in their hands, and we have that hope of salvation, that anchor for the soul, that it doesn't matter what happens to me because whatever happens to me here is going to pale in comparison, just like Paul said, to the, glo- the glory of what we will receive when we enter into the kingdom altogether. And so just uh, we, we had a long journey of figuring out and, and getting rid of the Christianity perspective uh, within the gathering because it was so ingrained and programmed through brainwashing and mind control that then we started to see things from God's perspective. And that's when we were making the changes. And it, it's difficult that once you've been brainwashed into believing a certain way, you are convinced in your mind it's true even though it doesn't line up with the Bible, because people have convinced you of that, you have accepted that instead of accepting the truth of God. And therefore, you are trapped. And until you change, until you see something that you open your eyes to see and say, wait a minute, something's not right here. That's that's what happened to me from Christianity. I, I got to a point where I was like, no, they're not, they're not doing what the Bible says. I'm not doing what the Bible says. Something's wrong. It's not, it's not God that's wrong. It's, it's us. It's me that's wrong. And I'm going to figure this out because if the Bible says in him there is no sin, I'm going to find a place where I don't sin. If the Bible says you must walk as he did if you claim to be in him, I'm going to figure out how to walk as he did. If the Bible says you, you don't uh, in him, the veil is lifted, you can understand the old covenant, then 
well, I don't understand the old covenant, but I'm going to figure out how to get to that place where I can understand the old covenant. And now I do. I understand. I see things in the Old Testament uh, very clearly, knowing that the objective of what the New Testament writers were doing was just bringing you, presenting you the Old Testament and, and showing you the reality and truth of God and telling you that all this is true, but don't try to do it because of works. Don't think that your works gain you anything rather than the grace of God that gains it for you. Well, this is really interesting. This came to mind that the New Testament is an account of Messiah's life and its letters to the churches about the gospel of Messiah. And it, like you said, it refers to the the Old Testament. And it just clicked in my mind. I hadn't thought of this. The Old, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant is under the law. And the New Covenant is spirit of the law. So the law is already set. The law doesn't change. So that's why you don't have a written word of God that's in the New Testament because it's already written. It's just giving you the spiritual understanding. Messiah is here to say, I am the understanding of the spirit of the law, and this is obedience to what's already been written. So I'm giving you the, instead of the, the, the written code is the shadow of the spiritual, the spiritual is the true essence of it. Like if somebody says, you know, what is the true essence of what you're doing? What's the motive behind it? Well, the, the motive behind the, the law is the uh, obedience to God, that everything that they say that they do, that you agree with it with your whole heart, you walk in it willfully. And when you do that, you can't, how can you fail it? Because the spirit of it is your mindset is, I agree with this wholeheartedly and I'm going to obey it no matter what. Well, with that heart, that mindset, that Yah is pleased with that. But if you try to do it just because it's written and you don't have any motive to do it right or, or seek after God, then what does it benefit you? So it's making me think of, you go back to the Old Testament where it says, do not bear false witness. Well, if you're not understanding the truth, you're bearing a false witness. If you're not listening to the word of God and you're not doing what it says, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Well, don't live this thinking that don't live it and not understand what you're doing because the Lord's name is you're putting out the Lord's name and that's not what the Lord is doing. And I was just about to ask you tongue in cheek, were you riding with me in the car yesterday? which you weren't because what you just spoke, I was actually listening to on an older podcast that bring this out. The, the proof of anybody accepting Messiah as Lord and savior is that you've walked the gospel message. The proof of it is, is in your actions. It's not in you saying I accept you as Lord. Well, but if you accept Messiah Yeshua as Lord, then you will do what he asks us to do, that the evidence will be the proof of you accepting the Son of God as Lord and Savior is your, you've walked through the gospel message. So it's not a just saying it. It's not the words that come out of your mouth. It's the actions behind it. It's the actions that show that Messiah is your Lord. And we've said this before, that this the point of what we're doing here, we don't bash Christianity because we've came from it. It's just things that are put out there. It's clarification of the true understanding is that we're not saying that you don't accept Messiah as Lord and Savior, but your acceptance of him as Lord and Savior 
is you walking through the gospel message that proves that you've made him Lord. It's, it's more than you just making a acknowledgement versus an acceptance. People will acknowledge that he's the son, but the true acceptance of it is you actually agree with it and walk in it. Just like if you accept to do a job, then if you don't do the job, then you didn't accept to do the job because you didn't go through with what the uh, process of that job was. You just acknowledge, yeah, um, I agree to this, but if you really accepted it, just like if you were accepted into college, but you don't go, then you didn't really accept. You just acknowledge that you got a letter, but my proof of my acceptance is, all right, I need to be in my dorm room, but this time I check in here, I go to class here. That shows your acceptance is what you do with it. So the how much of the peddling the word, well, accept Jesus, accept Jesus, accept Jesus, but then you're not giving me what I need to be able to actually do that. You're just giving me something to draw me in, uh, draw me to different things. And I remember this when I was going to a Christian church years ago that they would have a youth gathering and, well, we're going to have food, we're going to have games, but are you doing that to entice me to get me to come or is that what's the true motive? Well, we'll get them here with that. And then we'll have like our little devotion then. Cause I remember for me, it was like, get through the devotion. I want to get to the food and the fun. Well, because that's what was set up that it was to entice. Well, yeah, you, you come, we'll, we'll get you here so that you can be a part of it. But then the devotion was 10 minutes. And then the rest of the time was, was playing now for us. Now it's like, it's reversed. It's majority is the word of God. And then we do have times where we'll, we'll do things, but, the just even talking about this is just just taking me back to the past of things that were done in the past with we're going to go on a mission trip well we're going to go here we're going to go there but is it really to get people to come to the faith in god or is it really more to get your name out there to show we'll see we're doing what's right you see we're going on a mission trip and i remember you saying this that whenever you went on a mission trip that what you were learning was, is that the mission trip was for you, not for the other people. Uh, when you went to, um, I don't know why I can't think of the place, but you know, Brazil, this thing. <laughs> but even looking back, I couldn't even tell you an answer as the, the reason I went was because that's just what you did going on a youth trip. It wasn't, you know, I really want to present the gospel to people. It was just something that you just did because you were a part of the, the, the church and, just thinking back to those trips, the pretense of it was, well, we're doing this uh, for God and we're doing it for the kingdom, but I don't remember us preaching the gospel message at all. It was just, you just go and do these things and, and that's really a works-based uh, thing. Well, it was interesting because as we were coming to the end of our stint in Christianity at the church we were at, uh, I actually, in the last year of being there, I had the opportunity that uh, I I filled in for the youth pastor because uh, he wasn't available to go to a youth trip. And one of the things we did on that trip that uh, I, I know was frowned upon, but it didn't matter, was that I had all the kids uh, on one night that we had a prayer time where they were all able to uh, pour out their heart to God. And it, it was truly amazing uh, 
it was an amazing thing and the kids really enjoyed that but i know that there was uh a couple other like adults that were there were like you know it, it, it was just strange to them and this was weird and um i didn't go on another trip but i uh, that was one where god was like this is what you're going to do and i was like okay uh, i i was in charge anyway and nobody <laughs> you know the other ones i uh, were there as a help and I was like, okay, and we did it, and the kids really, uh, they really benefited from it because it gave them an opportunity to get off their chest or to just cry out to God uh, in a way that they've never, they never had the opportunity to do before, which was good. I want to go back to this aspect of peddling the Word of God through like T-shirts and um, booklets and these things. One is, first off, why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you had this thought that, well, I'm going to, I'll, I'll get a t-shirt and I'll, I'll put this on the shirt so that these people can uh, know that I have faith and, or was it God telling you to do it? Because odds are it wasn't God telling you to do it because God knows that it's a personal relationship. Now, that being said, when you know specifically the word of God spoke to you and told you to do something, obey it because that's our objective goal is obedience to God, but clarify and verify, make sure you understand the difference between the voices of the enemy and God. And that the, you understand the voice of the enemy when they come at you as an angel of light and, and tell you something because God knows that the gospel and faith is a is built in a personal relationship and we're supposed to have a personal relationship with God and personal relationships with others if i have an expectation that you're going to read a shirt if i'm like well i want somebody to uh, to see this and maybe they'll come to faith then talk to them have a conversation with them hey i'd like to talk to you about faith are you okay with that if they say no and walk away. And I'm not saying just go grab anybody you want and just uh, preach at them out on the street corner. No. You work in appropriation to God. God, is this, this is what I'd like to do, but is this what you would like me to do? And whatever God says, then you do what God says in that situation and that circumstance, but more than likely, God's not going to tell you to, uh, to have a shirt that has this, uh, Bible verse on it or this saying on it to get somebody's attention. You really want to get somebody's attention. Somebody who wants to know the truth of God, then live it. Stop trying to put it on a shirt, put it in your life live the gospel message, live the truth of God. And those that want it will be uh, encouraged to try to figure it out. And then you let them know, hey, this is not going to be an easy journey. It's doable, but it's not going to be easy because you, your will for what you're going after has to be greater than any pain 
that you in, that is involved in it. If your will is not greater than any pain involved, eventually the pain's going to get too much and you're not going to be able to carry it out. Uh, and so when we look at the aspect of T-shirts and pamphlets and CDs and all these things, there's no, uh, really there's, there's not a good understanding from God for you to do that rather than, okay, I've got the truth of God. I'm going to speak it. And those who are drawn to it will want to know more. And, you know, they're, they're people who will, as we do the live podcast, you'll see somebody will pop in for about, you know, two or three minutes and then pop right back off. And then somebody else will pop in for a couple minutes and back off. But then you have ones that they come in and they listen and then they go back and they listen to other podcasts and then they listen again. And again, the objective is for them to see the truth of God in it. And then for them to go to Yah and let Yah tell them what to do with it. We, we don't want to like put sayings on shirts because one, we've said people don't read. And yeah, someone may read, oh, I like your shirt, but did you do it because people are going to tell you, oh, I like your shirt, or are you going to do it in hopes that it strikes up a conversation? Well, the reality is, is that you can just strike up a conversation, have a personal relationship with somebody, and then if they're open to it, then you guys have a uh, avenue to have conversation to be able to speak about the truth of God, just like we did. You know, it was one day walking through that church and I, you walked by and I was like, Hey, Sean, you want to join us for prayer time on Tuesday nights? That was it. And we didn't have no uh, extravagant conversation after that. It was just, well, it's Tuesday night. We'll see if Sean's going to show. And you showed up. And why? Because there was something that piqued your interest. I, I don't know what it was. There was something that piqued your interest. And then 17 years later, here we are. 16, something like that. 15, 16 years later, this, here's where, here we are. And why? Because we started in that moment a personal relationship. And we had conversations before we had prayer time and we would continually do it. And we were consistent in doing it that over 16 years, we missed maybe a handful of times that you either, you had something you had to do, or I had something I had to do that. And even now we carry it out with a, you know, our walk on Mondays and uh, Thursdays. And it's interesting because we have the time to do our regular work and then we have plenty of time to do things for God as well. I mean, we have, uh, we, we meet Sunday mornings and Sunday afternoons. Then we have, uh, Monday we walk Tuesday podcast, Wednesday church, Thursday we walk. Friday, 
a day of rest, Saturday podcast, and then Sunday back to church. So we're we're doing stuff for God six days a week. And even on the that seventh day, uh the Friday, um just having a rest, having a, a break from it. But we also do that in the midst of having our regular jobs that is the provision for our income that God has given us so that we don't have to depend on the church to try to supply what we need. And Paul made this statement uh, in one of his books, if a man does not work, he does not eat. And everywhere Paul went, he wasn't, yes, was he warranted to get uh, to get something from the gospel message, yeah, he made that statement, but he said, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not taking that because I'm going to work everywhere I go. Wherever he went, he worked in order to get his, to, to get his food. And if there was a supplemental need that was necessary, then he would have gotten that he would have received it and he would have moved on, but he wasn't a it wasn't an expectation of Paul that he was going to get paid. Oh, you're going to pay me to come to come over to you at Rome. And uh, you're going to pay me to come to you in Corinth in Corinth and uh, Ephesus. And no, he, he did it because of his, uh, his desire for the, the truth of God to be put out there and it's a beautiful thing that if you trust God, that they say, we will provide all your needs according to our glorious riches, and you believe that, then they will do it. And sometimes I can tell you from my past and what we had when we almost lost the house, that God's math works a lot different than ours. When they want something to go a certain way, it's going to go that way. And that's it. There's, and you don't understand. I can't, I can't sit back and go back to that time and use an earthly calculator to figure out how we made it through without losing the house. The only thing that I know that we did was to be faithful to God. And that's why. We, I know why we didn't lose it, but from a financial perspective, there's there's no way that I could calculate to figure out how we were able to keep the house rather than it wasn't a calculation of numbers. It was a calculation of trust. Are we going to trust God that they're going to they're going to take care of us no matter what happens, even if we would have lost the house? They still would have taken care of us some some way, some shape, some form, and maybe it would have been better. Well, it would have been better if God would have taken it that way because then maybe we could have gone and rented something for less than what we were paying in a mortgage. And But God worked it all out. And we 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 want people to recognize the truth of God and see it, but we want them to don't depend on us because through this podcast, we cannot have a personal relationship 
with those people. So even if, you know, if they emailed us or if they sent us a message on Facebook, uh, we would be able to answer it through speaking about it. But if we don't, if we're not in your close proximity now, if we have the opportunity and God opens the door and we can go, we can go meet with somebody or some people who have listened to the podcast, who have an interest in starting a church, who uh, want to know more about it, then we would be happy to be able to set it up to go visit with those people. But again, we want to leave it in God's hands at the appropriate time when God is ready, they will, they will let somebody know that, okay, now I want you to go talk with these people because they know, uh, they know because they've been through it and they can give you a hand and help you. And God will do that. I don't think it's, it's bad to put out, to let people know that we are, uh, contactable, but for us, we want to make sure that we're being contacted for the right reasons, not to make us feel good because somebody sent a message or somebody rather than we want people like if they send a question, we want to be able to answer those questions the best of our ability just to help them to move along to say, okay, now you have to go figure this out with God. You, you have to work through this and, but you have to accept the truth. And in order for you to say, accept the truth, you have to take what we say, then you have to weigh it against the word of God, have conversation with God, and then do what they tell you to do with that. But be careful that it's not the enemy. So you, ha- there is a balance in it. <clears throat> Don't just accept every voice that comes to you in, in the pretense of God, because the demons can act as angels of light. And so the objective goal is obedience to God and trust in God. So we have repentance, obedience, and trust. And it's interesting because that's the same message that started in the beginning when God created the earth, repent and obey. Uh, And in order to do that, you had to trust whoever was going to be faithful to God. So you have repentance, obedience, and trust all the way through the Bible up through Revelation to the end. That those three aspects that you have to come to are throughout the whole Bible that tell you that this is what you need for salvation. You have to repent to Abba, you have to obey with Messiah, and you have to trust with Mother. And when you get to that top point of trusting with mother, you have circumcision of the heart. Now you've been immersed into all three. You have the full baptism. And then if you want to show that from an outward sign by going into water, that's great. And probably should do that as an outward ex, uh, outward example to show. But that's what the true baptism is, is when you're immersed in repentance, you're immersed in obedience and you're immersed in trust so that you will never come to the surface and come out of repentance. You will always walk in God's ways. You will always walk in obedience. You will never go and do something that is disobedient to God. God says, do this. And you say, no, I'm not doing that. No, that's disobedience. Uh, Or God tells you to do it and you just don't do it. You don't have to have attitude. No, that's disobedience. 
And then trust, it's the same thing. You enter into that aspect of trust, and what you have to do is actually go deeper and deeper and deeper. So you will have circumstances and situations that will come in your life that will drive you to trust God more. And the more you trust God, the deeper you go into that immersion. And it's the same thing with repentance. The more you see in your subconscious that that uh, was programmed in, that, no, I've turned to God on that, I'm getting rid of that. And you just keep going deeper into the repentance, you keep going deeper into the obedience, and you keep going deeper into the trust, never to resurface at all. If you resurface and come back out, then there's a problem because you've renounced your faith. And so because we talk about things from the circular perspective, not from the linear, it's not you have this here and over here you're done. Okay, that's it. Well, you accept Jesus, Lord and Savior, you're saved. Boom. That's a linear perspective. Circular perspective is you made Messiah Lord of your life. So now it stays with you continually. That's the beginning. It's not the end. It's it's the circular. Whenever you make a decision for something, each step in the process is a new beginning, not an end. And that's important to understand. And as we look at this uh, aspect of peddling the word of God for profit, (coughs) you can do it and you can get away from it, uh, get away with it here, but it's not acceptable by God. And in the end, again, it's going to be reconciled as to did you do these things because you really wanted to do them to be pleasing to God? Or did you have some ulterior motive? And you may not have known it in your conscious mind, but because what you've let be programmed into your subconscious, that you you had an ulterior motive for why you did it, but you didn't consciously know it. But that does not excuse you because it's our responsibility to know the faith that we have and to walk accordingly within it. I don't even know if you thought about this. This came to mind with us about the relationship, the conversational relationship being face to face that it took me back in my mind to when we were meeting at the place we used to meet. Then there was a classroom there that we met and we we're face to face. And then now we're back face to face again. And it made me think that that never stopped. It was just a circular evolution. And it's just like you said, other than an illness or a planned getaway that um, we have not, I don't even think we've missed a podcast other than we were just away. It wasn't like we were ill and we couldn't do it or somebody. And that's to give glory to God because they're the ones that are sustaining our health and all those things. And really the, I don't want to miss anyway. So it's not like that we're just attempting to get away and well, we got to have a break and no, because there's times where, I find myself where it's because of me that I'm not in that mindset or feeling rested, but it's me because when you were speaking, it, it made me think of this is that Yas given plenty of time. It's what we do with the time. And I've, I've said this over my life many times that, well, I just don't have time for it. I'll do it when I have time. Well, that's an excuse because you will do the things that you make time for that. There's plenty of time to where it's not, Oh no, there's not enough time. Or if there wasn't, then we'd have an extra day built in. But it, it it always comes back to what choices do you make 
to make up time. And even with that time, what is your mind doing? Is your mind racing? Are you in a hurry to get things done? And you're rushing and rushing until life is no fun, just like the song says. Or are you at rest where I'm laboring, but I'm at rest. And um, I had this come to mind with the scripture. Remember when Messiah said that, talking about Abba, and he says, even to this day, my father is working. I was just driving, might have been yesterday, and then all of a sudden it came to mind where, wow, so Abba has been doing his work from the beginning of going back and forth, uh, looking for the heart that's fully committed and the ones that are walking in repentance. So Abba's watching over those people, talking with those people, guiding them to Messiah, that even at that time, because he said that no one can come to me unless the Father draws them, that he's working, but in their mind, they're in a state of rest. They're not panicked. They're not anxious about getting people or why don't these people do this and why don't these people do that? They do their work and they do it in their perfected way. And it's our responsibility to listen to what they say, apply it and do what the word says. And I'd even hadn't thought about it from the perspective of you taking what you think it means and you peddle the word of God for your profit. You don't even realize that you're taking it. Well, I think it means this, so I'm going to do this and I'm going to benefit and you're getting profit from it not doing what the word of God says. And that's why it's so important to make sure that you're seeking God with all your heart, that it's God that's leading you and guiding you, not your own understanding because the brainwashing and mind control was such a big deal that I thought of this when we were driving down to the Passover celebration, I looked over and I said, Phil, look at the size of that building. And it was just this big church building that, I mean, it looked like a, like a college, auditorium. I mean, it was huge at how these different brick buildings and the thought came to mind is all of that is because of brainwashing and mind control that you're so convinced that this is what the church is supposed to be, that you will spend all that money and do all that work. And you really, the truth of it is you don't need, unless God were to bring it about for a reason, you don't need a building that big. You're just convinced that this is what church is. We have to have a sanctuary. We have to have a fellowship hall. We have to have a uh, activity center or a youth learning center or cause, cause that, that that's what it's supposed to be. And you spend all this money and then during the week, and this isn't a blanket, everything, but how many buildings like that have you driven by? There's nobody in the parking lot, but maybe one car. If you went up to the, the main sanctuary, the doors are locked. Sunday school rooms are locked and closed. Maybe the pastor, or the secretary is there. If not, they're out and about. And then if somebody comes up and knocks on the door and says, Hey, I'm really struggling. Can I stay here for the night? No, we don't do that. Or do you have any money? No, let me get back to you because we don't just give money away. Well, aren't you supposed to be the church? I really need help. No, you go to the shelter. Yeah, but don't you have the sanctuary that seats 100, 200 people? Can I just lay on the pew? No, no, we we have to, we can't do that because then if we let you in, then we'll let everybody else in. And this is not saying that telling people what to do. It's just coming to mind of you have you profess that you're the church of God. And if somebody really needs help, and I'm not saying that people won't cheat and they just want money, but somebody that really needs help, how many times would they turn somebody away and say, no, no, you're going to mess this up or somebody's going to say something. So I can't let them in because it's going to look bad on me. And, but you built all of this and it just sits there. And 
nobody's there one day a week, two days a week. And, but we justify it because this is what the church is. Uh, you're building a big church up on a hill so that everybody can see it and having a big billboard with flashing lights to get people in. We'll have a, a coffee shop on the inside and we'll have a, all this other stuff. And it's just coming to mind that all of that, is it really necessary for the truth of God? Or is that because people, they just think that, well, this is the way I was raised and this is the way you do it. And this is the tradition we're going to keep on. And just from our side of it, sitting on our side of it, coming from that, that Yah has given us the building. We have multiple buildings that we have homes we can go to and we have money. We don't have all this extra debt. And it's just bringing this out to say that trust in God. And if it's of God, God will lead you and give us as they have what you need. Even people listening out there that are in the church of Messiah that can listen to this and will agree with it, that the building aspect is it's a process of you being the building you being the indwelling of God, that God comes to live within you. You're the temple that mother comes to live in. So you walk as Messiah did because Messiah was a representation of the temple, the place where God will dwell. And because they dwell in him, us and him, now God dwells in us, the spirit within us. So make sure the temple is clean and make sure that the temple is in order. So it's really a transformation from the, the physical to the spiritual that you're the temple of God. It's not about you going the church isn't about you going to church. The church is the people, the the conversations, the gathering of the people, the unity, the the gathering is the church, not the actual building. But that I remember looking over and it's like, this is just so unnecessary. But if you went and told people that, they wouldn't listen to it and they would go back to their programming unless they truly had a God, a heart after seeking with all their heart to really make a change. And to go through that practice, people would just say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just, you know, get away from me. But it, 